When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of Bookmarked is brought to you by Libro FM. Get two books for the price of one with your first month of membership using the code BOOKSTACKED. Again, use promo code BOOKSTACKED when you start your membership at Libro.fm. Or check the show notes for a quick link to get started. Offer only valid for new members in the US and Canada. Hi everyone, welcome to the Bookmark Podcast. My name is Michael Burns and I'm going to be taking over the hosting duties for the next few episodes. Today I'm delighted to be chatting to Candice Elo, who's the author of the upcoming Break This House. Break This House is the story of Mina, a teenage girl living in Brooklyn with her father, as she learns, on Facebook of all places, of a shocking tragedy, and how she comes to learn some family secrets as she travels back to her hometown to confront her past. It's one of the most beautifully written books that I've read in years, uh, and Candice is definitely an author that I think a lot of people should be keeping on their radar, starting with their debut and verse novel, Everybody Looking. I'll let them talk a little bit more about themselves, though. For now, let's get started. So, hi, Candice, welcome to the podcast. So the way we usually like to start these episodes off is just to ask yourself to give us a little introduction to yourself and uh, your upcoming book. Well, my name is Candice Elo. I am a writer and performer based in Philadelphia, and um, I'm the author of Everybody Looking, as well as Break This House. And Break This House essentially is about a 16-year-old girl who finds out something horrific about her estranged mother randomly on Facebook one day and suddenly has to make the decision to go back to her childhood home to find out what really happened. And in the course of her going back home, she discovers that she does not recognize her old neighborhood. And the things that are happening to her old neighborhood are essentially very connected to what happened to her mom. And so now she has to go on this journey of just kind of like pulling up the dirt, pulling up the roots and really looking at a family that she tried to leave behind. I actually read an early copy of it. I finished reading it a few (gasps) days ago. And... As soon as I read the description uh, that was sent along to me, I knew that it was it was going to hurt me. Um, oh no! <laughs> but I mean that in the nicest way possible. It really did connect. Mm. It really it really hits home. Um, even for someone like me, I've got completely different experiences uh, to Mina mm-hmm. in the book. Um, but yeah, just the way the way that it's written, the way that, that Mina narrates it you really get it, like you really understand deep down mm. what's going on. So it's definitely one that I think a lot of people should should keep their eyes open for. Mm. I love hearing that because, I mean, you're an early reader, so I have, yeah. you know, I still have no idea how people are going to receive it. So I'm glad to hear that. No, it's definitely one I'm going to be pushing on as many people as I can. Um, so 
This is your your second novel. Kind of one of the first things that I wanted to talk about. Your first novel that you wrote, Everybody Looking, was written in verse. So I'm always kind of interested to know what, what your writing process is like and how, how did that differ this time around when you were writing in prose for the first time? I mean, I came from the open mic poetry scene in D.C. And so for a long time, I felt like poetry was all I could write, like that was the first language that I learned as a writer. And um, my process back then was just like, you know, using all the tools I had learned to write a poem and then learning how to string them together to create this larger story that could be read as a novel. And, you know, my process with everybody looking was super messy because I wrote it over the course of like four years while I had like five jobs in New York City. And so I was working out of random laptop lounges and co-working spaces and schools that I taught in at random times in the day, wherever I could squeeze it in. And with Break This House, I guess like over the course of me writing Everybody Looking and the in-between, I had developed a muscle to try other forms. And with prose, it actually felt really liberating because poetry, you have to consider all of these kind of devices that you use that create a poem. Whereas prose, I felt like, you know, like those moments where I didn't know what to say, I could create things to say that I'd, that would kind of be considered excess if it was novel and verse. And this process of writing Break This House was, I think, a lot more emotional um, because it was more concentrated. I wrote a majority of it last summer and I was grieving my mother all over again. And so a lot of the writing happened late at night like super late at night when I had a really hard time sleeping, um, usually between like 11 p.m. and 3 a.m. And last summer, I just, when I was really trying to push it and get it done, it was every night me just being up super late, almost until right before the sun was going to come up. And just kind of like, just dragging myself through the mud. <laughs> um, I can't I can't say that I had like a, a strict routine. It was more so just like come back to my desk every day same time when I couldn't sleep and just do my best to kind of lay it out there and kind of go there in ways that I hadn't yeah, with everybody just, looking. Yeah, like can I get it out and just like whatever yeah. way and just get the get the story down. I feel like that does come across. It is very honest and kind of raw the way that it's written. So I feel like that does come across and it really helps helps it along. It really kind mm. of ties ties a lot of it together. But in that as well, when I was reading this and I had known that you'd written in verse before. I kind of felt like I picked up on like sort of influences, if that's the right kind of word for it. Like all the time kind of as I'm going, just the way that some things are written and the way that you lay some things out feels a little bit like a, a novel in verse, but in prose, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Did Was that something you were like consciously aware of when you were doing it? I just, you know, I think that no matter what I do, I'm going to be a poet. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so I feel like having started out as a poet, it's always going to inform the way that I write, yeah. period. Um, and I, I love that. I feel like, you know, uh, novelists, people who strictly, quote unquote, write fiction should read poetry and vice mm. versa. And so my background makes me think like a poet, write like a poet. It makes me very conscious of my word use, um, even though I have all this room, like you're writing a, a you know, a prose novel, you can go crazy. You can you can write eight, 80,000 words, 100,000 words. And I still was kind of 
tilling the land as if I didn't have enough words. Yeah, definitely. That's that. Yeah. That's you've pretty much summed up kind of what I got. That did feel very thought out. The things, oh, like wow. every, everything felt important. To go back, kind of what I was talking about. It's written and very raw, and it's beautifully honest and beautifully hard hitting. When Mina's narrating, she's very open and she she doesn't hide what she's feeling, either to other characters or to the reader. Did you do that on purpose as well? And why do you think that it's important her narration is so so honest? I mean, the basis of this story is a teenager reckoning with the fact that she's been lied to for a long time. And so the book itself, the story, had to be the antithesis of that. Like, what does it look like to tell the story for what it is? What does it look like to let all your feelings hang out, to ask all the questions that you have, to have adults respond to you um, transparently? What does that look like? And so I, I just want all my work to do that. I want all of my work to kind of uncover things and give all of us space to stop pretending because I am tired of pretending as a human being. Um, I think teenagers are tired of adults pretending about like what life is and what it's really like. And so I just wanted, I want readers to experience kind of like the release of saying the things that you really feel, even if they seem ugly or too much. Kind of like what you were saying about the writing is the kind of you need to like purge like what you're feeling in order to to really process them and to like yeah. understand what you, you're feeling yourself. Yeah. I really, really like that. Why do you think it's so important as well kind of, to write about these heavier issues in, in such a way as well, especially for like younger readers? I mean, I think that when I decided to be a writer, I didn't really consciously say to myself that this is these these issues and these topics are important. I more so decided I was going to write the way that I think and the way that I experience things, which is emotionally and through lots of feelings and I mean I you know kind of sort of like what is kind of described in everybody looking like I was a young person who started going to therapy at a very young age and so that became integral for me it became like processing your emotions and like you know going back to your childhood memories and your triggers and things like that that became very normal for me and that's normal for me even when i'm just hanging out with my friends or talking to family and so it seeped into my writing and then it just felt like there's no way i could tell a story um without doing that and also like i was a high school teacher and so i know that kids are like this on a regular basis like it's not like I'm bringing something to them that doesn't naturally come up in their lives. It's something that when I've shared with my students, they're like, this is relatable. I feel like this too. Like, this is so real, miss. And, (laughs) and so it just, it just always felt like this is just what, this is my lane. This is how I write. And this is what needs to be done. Kind of one of the main things that I wanted to talk about as well, something that I really loved is the way that the setting is like tied into the book. So it's set in two places. I, again, won't go to any, any specifics, uh, but I love how they're kind of like tied to the past and the present. So at the beginning of the novel, she's in what she now considers home. And then throughout the novel, she goes back to her actual home. And that's like the past. She's like literally confronting mm-hmm. the past by going there. 
do you want to talk a little bit about like what influenced that why you decided to put such importance in the setting yeah I really am um sensitive to my environment just as a person and one of the things that struck me when I was a former resident of Brooklyn was the noise pollution like if you just stand on a random corner you can hear so many things going on it starts to kind of it feels like it starts to seep into your skin and your experience with the world and with life and so I felt like I really needed to spend time with how we take in our environment and our surroundings and like what we are immersed in and so like I just I I thought a lot about like what is it what does it feel like to be small like when you're a kid and like you're told where you where you get to be and where you don't get to be and I thought about you know getting older and realizing that like your environment has a big influence on how you feel um, I wanted I wanted the two places to feel starkly different for different reasons. In one setting, you know, her new home, she feels free. She feels her quote unquote new self. Whereas when she goes back home, there are smells um, that trigger her. There is lighting that triggers her. There is there are sounds. There are spaces, and I feel like that is just that's like life. And it's it's not until you're an adult where you start to you know have more control and choice around where you get to be and how you get to experience your environment. So it was important to me to show the differences between her older teenage self and then her childhood self and like what she starts to associate with these different places. Yeah, I love even like the circumstances that she's in. When she's in Brooklyn at the start of the novel, there's a scene where she's having dinner with her father and her Mm. boyfriend and her best friend. And even though it's kind of awkward it feels like homely <laughs> it feels homely but then it's sort of contrasted later on in the novel where she's back at home with her family and it's very tense and it almost felt like those two scenes like balanced off each other like to really drive home you know what you're saying i know what you and mean i i mean i'm also a person who i didn't grow up like sitting around a table eating meals with family and to this day sitting around a table in a formal way with a family to eat dinner is really strange for me. It could be in a really like, you know, a friend could invite me over to their family's house and it could feel really light and jovial, but it will not feel like that to me because I associate it with just like, Ooh, this is, this is so close. Like anything could happen. Anybody could say something awkward and it could just go left. I really love that. But a strange question is Obsidian a real place. You know, honestly, no. as a Scottish person, I'm not really familiar. <laughs> so I was, I was wondering that. I didn't want to Google Maps it because I kind of wanted to talk about it <laughs> with you. No, I made it up. I made yeah. it up because no. I wanted, I wanted this city to, I wanted this fictional city to just mirror a whole bunch of cities that are mm-hmm. like it. Instead of, I didn't want it to be about the place, um, yeah. yeah, itself, like in a specific way. I wanted everybody who's lived in a city like this to see see themselves and their city in the in the book yeah no i really like that it's just because when i was reading that i thought this it feels like very real and i kind of sometimes when i'm reading books i like to get the google maps out and kind of follow along but i thought just thought it was a a very interesting place (laughs) and i'm really hoping for the best for everyone that that still lives there at the end of the novel obviously (laughs) things are kind of open-ended at the end Mm -hmm. i don't know if you'll ever go back to obsidian or if oh. we're 
difficult. That's very thing. intentional. It's a great question because yeah. I am talking to my editor about going back to Obsidian in a in a different way in a new novel in the future. And also, I'm like not I'm notoriously already feeling like I am an author who doesn't like happy endings yeah. really. Um, I don't like tying things up at with a bow at the end. I just like for my stories to ask questions. And so I feel like, yeah, I wanted to leave it a little open because it's just like, insert experience here, insert what you think here. Oh, that's brilliant. I, and if you do ever release anything else there, I will absolutely be requesting early copies of that too because Yay. I don't <laughs> know. And I love you're saying there, you don't like happy endings. I just keep thinking back to the the last chapter before the epilogue and just how much that final scene those like final paragraphs just broke me inside when I was reading them um, oh wow but, but again in just such a such a beautiful way one thing I wanted to tie back to so you've mentioned that you've worked in schools you worked in high schools is there anything that you used to recommend to your students to read or was there any books that that you currently think are important for for students to read kind of in the same same vein as Break This House? Absolutely. There was a novel, um, American Street by E.B. Zaboy, that I recommended to a lot of the Black girls in my classes. I just am really moved by E.B.'s writing just because I always can recognize the characters and the, the, the like kind of family dynamics and also like the kind of hard-hitting drama. I recommend that a lot, or I recommended that a lot. I also recommended Long Way Down by Jason Reynolds for all of the the uh, the kids in my classes who who claim they don't like reading, mm-hmm. um, but they ate that book up because oh, everyone just, does. It's phenomenal. Yes, it is wonderful. Even you know, it is. You you look through it, and just like a lot of novels in verse, you are suddenly not intimidated because you're just mm-hmm. like, oh. This isn't a lot of words. And then, you know, before you know it, you're getting swept into this very um, incredible story. Um, I also recommended, what else did I recommend? I'm looking at my bookshelf right now. <laughs> I reckon I recommended Children of Blood and Bone um, for my students who enjoy fantasy and, um, but were black and brown and like hadn't gotten to see a lot of novels like that, that were rooted in African mythology in ways and Brown Girl Dreaming as well, which was like the the book that um, inspired everybody looking. But I think as far as what's in the same vein as as Break This House, I started to encounter more of those books after I stopped teaching. So like The Stars and the Blackness Between Them by Junauda Petrus uh, deals a lot with uh, loss and grief in a way that I thought was so beautiful. Uh, Justin Reynolds wrote Early Departures, which also deals with grief with like just teenagers kind of back and like bouncing back and forth between all of these confusing feelings surrounding people they love. If I was still in the classroom, I would just be like, I would be giving that out to all my students just because, you know, I think a lot of educational settings try to avoid conversations around sadness as if it's going to make teenagers sad and I don't think that's what happens yeah I feel like it's the opposite almost like yeah you you need to encourage those conversations like absolutely 
to let people know it's 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 okay. I mean, it sounds cheesy, like an Instagram thing, but it's okay, like to be sad and uh, to talk about your feelings. Yeah, um, absolutely. It happens. You know, these things are universal experiences, mm-hmm. and I think it's sadder when a kid goes to school and regular everyday things don't come up in the classroom as if they don't exist. And school is supposed to prepare you for life. Yeah. So it's yeah. I I. I'm very here for this kind of renaissance in YA lit where a lot of authors are not shying away from the things that kids are really dealing with and really want to talk about. Yeah, and I think that's why that's another reason why Break This House should be vitally important for people to read because, you know, it does have those conversations and people need to read it. If you're interested in talking a little bit about everybody looking as well, I know we've kind of mentioned that a few times, there's a bit about that as well. Because I've, wanna... I've started reading some of that as well. Oh, yay. And yeah, I'm, totally different book. In. You'll see some parallels. I think that it's like, I think because so much of my storytelling is drawn from my personal life, um, I feel like I carry all my characters in different ways through my stories. And so, like, you will see similarities in the family dynamics when you read Everybody Looking. And I guess I want to say that I do feel like each time I sit down to approach a new story as a writer, I feel more daring mm-hmm. and less afraid of of saying the things that I really want to say. I feel a lot of like overwhelmed energy as we get closer to the launch of Break This House because I know I've said a lot of things that my family really would not like me to be saying in public. Yeah. And that's, you know, that is common. A lot of our families want to keep our family business within our family house, you know. And a lot of us were raised to believe that, like, yeah, you protect the image of your family and you don't share these more hurtful things with other people. But I I can't, it's hard to put into words, but I felt, in writing Break This House, I felt like I was just doing something that I really, really, really needed to do. And I think that one big difference between the two novels is in Everybody Looking, there's only a splash of uh, Ada's mother. Like the reader has to kind of like, within a few poems, has to just kind of guess what's going on with her. Whereas Break This House, I wanted to give the mom figure more space Mm. on the page and to really kind of go into her story and why she is the way that she is. Just because, I don't know, there's just so many stories that we as young people don't know are happening concurrently with our own experience. And so I just really wish that like parents and young people talk to each other more and kind of threw out this idea that like you should protect your child from certain truths and so I yeah like this one break this house feels like a whole nother experience like another peeled back layer and I'm just really hopeful that it reaches everybody that needs to read something like this um, because I needed it when I was a teenager Um, I couldn't even imagine what my life would be like if I could have if, if I had encountered a story that had a mom in the book that was like mine. Like, I think it just would have been incredible. Um, And I wasn't even reading stuff like this when I was a teenager. I was super religious. 
my my dad's my household was really strict and I just wasn't looking for this kind of stuff I just I didn't you know I didn't know it existed I didn't know that it was available to me and so I'm just I feel proud of myself I also feel really anxious and nervous and like concerned about the feedback like my dad reads all my stuff um so so I don't know what's gonna happen but I feel energized around it yeah no I get that but at the same time it is something I think you should be very proud of it is it is a wonderful wonderful novel um but I I, I keep saying it I think it's a very important thing for people to read Mm -hmm. and you know through the website and at work I work in a bookstore Uh, it's the kind of thing I'm going to be I'm going to be talking about and I'm going to rave about to get it out as wide as possible um I love hearing that do you want to talk about anything you've got coming up in the future have you got anything else planned what form is that going to take is that going to be prose or or verse or are we going into a hidden third talent well I think so I'm doing a lot so my third novel that comes out in 2023, uh, Salt of the Water, is another novel in verse, um, which is about a non-binary teenager who has a lot of trouble with authority at school, um, but everywhere else in the world, they are free, they are welcome, they are loved, and they have this big dream um, to uh, go live off the grid with their friends after high school. And but a they a, a family tragedy happens and suddenly their family needs them in a very material way. And so the story is sort of about what is what does it mean to be a young person, a young black person in this world who has these big dreams and the real world is kind of always knocking at your door, reminding you like you have responsibilities, you have to make money, you have to like be successful in these very specific ways. Um, And it also is dealing with like young people in a quote unquote post COVID world um, who are fed up with adults um, and the fact that they've just gone back to normal after something so catastrophic has happened. So that's coming out. And I also just sent a picture book to my agent that we are looking to pitch soon that is kind of based around my brother and like his love for Nigerian food and the fact that he also is autistic and like all of the things that um, his habits and like his love for having routines and doing the same things every day. And so I wanted to write something for kids like him who have a little trouble trying new things. That's on the horizon and I'm pitching some other stuff. I'm sort of in a space where I'm just doing a lot. Yeah, yeah. Could, it sounds it sounds a lot like it. I'm doing a lot, but like you know, I'm. It feels like a planting season for me. I'm still a very young author, and something I'm learning about this industry is that, like, unfortunately, I have to prove myself in a lot of ways, and so I'm kind of like building up my catalog and like trying to show people what I can do and and remind myself of what I can do. Excellent. Well, it sounds like there's a lot of good stuff coming up then. I love yes. the I love the idea of are you so do you address COVID in the in the upcoming novel? Yes, but is... in a in a very creative way. Right. Because I didn't I didn't want the story to live in mm. COVID world. Yeah. 
I was like, thinking about that recently. Like, I was wondering how how authors are going to yeah, uh, how it's going to how or how long it's going to take before it becomes normal for mm-hmm. it to be like subject matter. So yeah, I'm starting to watch see a lot of movies and shows that are dealing with COVID in a number of ways, and I've heard about a lot of authors writing directly into COVID, and I didn't want to do that. I wanted to really more so go the psychological route of like, what are young people observing us do in a crisis and how do they feel about our reactions to this crisis? And yeah, I just, I don't know. I also think I'm super, I'm so very traumatized so I don't want to. I don't want to write about kids going to school in masks and. Yeah. yeah. No. I, no. I get what you mean. It's like yeah. Less focusing on like the actual logistics of it, but more of the absolutely. Impact. Yeah. So just to kind of finish up, whereabouts can people find you online? So I am very active on Instagram. Um, my Instagram handle is this is Candice Elo, all one word, and also I'm on Twitter, just my name, Candice Elo. Those are the main places you could find me. Um, I also have a website. If you Google me, you can come up on there. But Instagram is my, you know, my favorite platform if I have one. Yeah, also, for almost forgot to mention, um, I am having my first in-person tour for Break This House. So on May 24th, I will be in L.A. at the Salt Eaters. In June, I will be at the Brooklyn Museum for First Saturday. I will also be uh, back here in Philly at a bookstore called Making Worlds on June 18th. Um, So I will be in person for the first time. I fundraise for my own tour. Um, So I finally get to meet my readers, which is really exciting. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on to chat to us. It's been really fun. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really appreciate your questions. It's been a great time. Thank you so much for listening. I had an absolute blast talking to Candice. And as I said, please keep an eye out for Break This House. It really is a wonderful book. Don't forget that you can follow us on Twitter at bookmarkedya and you can also follow Bookstacked on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. If you want, you can also follow me on Instagram at TheMichaelBurns. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for listening and I hope to see you next time. Bye-bye.